welcome to 2020. We have made it. We've made it through 2019. I don't know whether 2019 was a, a good year for you, a bad year for you. Uh, is it one that you're missing already or one that you're just glad is out of the way? <coughs> for me, I'm at the tail end of a cold, so do apologize for that in advance. Um, I'm sure as the Brexit saga unfurled throughout last year, actually as a nation, we're probably quite glad that this year has a bit of a change and that's just something different on the news. You know, something different to filling our minds, perhaps. But for you, how was your 2019? What are you maybe hoping might be different about yourself in this coming year? What would you love to change in 2020, I wonder? How many people, I wonder, have committed to a New Year's resolution already? maybe broken one already, to go on that run perhaps, to stop shouting at the kids so much, to become more environmentally friendly, I wonder. I'm sure that whether or not you're a Christian here this morning, we're all aware that we're not the finished article. That there will always be things that we wish to change about ourselves. And I wonder if, if God drew up your report card for 2019, how might it read? B plus? B minus? C? D? Shall we leave it there? What comments might God write on that report? James keeps resorting to anger when he's not in control. James keeps making work more important than God. James didn't seem as joyful about Jesus this year. How do you feel about 2020? Do you feel that change is possible? Or is it just the same old you? Which way is it going to be for you this year? In our psalm this morning, the psalmist describes for us two ways. Two ways, but only one of these ways actually leads to real change. Only one of them leads to blessing. Look down, just look at verse 1. We read, blessed, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Well, let's take that first way. Let's start with that first way. And it's the way of the righteous, we read at the end of the psalm. And verse 2, the psalmist dives straight in and it tells us about this way. So verse 2, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law, uh, is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. So the one who is blessed is the one who delights and the one who meditates on God's law. Law here refers to what God has said to us in his word. So the way of the righteous, this first way, is the way of God's word. God's word equals blessing. God's word equals blessing. Now, let's just pause here for a moment. 
How does your heart respond to that? We have a New Year's sermon, and the command already seems to be, read your Bibles more. Doesn't your heart sink a little bit? You know, a mixture of feelings bubble up, kind of guilt, because we know we don't read our Bibles enough. Doubt, because we don't really know where to start with our Bibles. But dare we say a little bit of boredom bubbles up too? You know, this, this feels a little bit basic. Now, I want us to recognize those feelings. But then I want us to honestly look at what Psalm 1 says to us this morning. Let's read on from verse 3. So in verse 3 we read that that person, the blessed person, is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Now, I wonder, this Christmas, the big decision, did you go real tree or artificial tree? Real tree or artificial tree? Three years ago, we made the big decision. We went for a real Christmas tree. It was a big moment. However, we couldn't really afford uh, a proper-sized tree for our house. So we went to the supermarket and bought this this tiny little Christmas tree, um, which was adorable. It was adorable. But, being from the north, you don't throw anything away if there's even a small chance you can use it again. And so this Christmas tree, for the past three years, we have kept on reusing. And each new year, it goes back outside into the yard to fend for itself. And remarkably, it's still alive, it's still going. Um, However, I've got to be honest, it's still a pretty scraggly little thing. It's... It's growing at all sort of funny shapes and funny angles. It's in a pot too small. It's not getting any sun where it is. It's it's not a healthy tree. Do you ever feel a little bit like that as a Christian? A little bit scraggly, a little bit lopsided. A little bit not how you know you should or could be. In verse 3, the blessed one, the one watered by the word, not in some backyard, is not like some scrawny tree. It's not like some scrawny tree that's just trapped and bleak and a bit pathetic. No, it's one watered by streams of water. And the word equals blessing. You know, the picture here is is one of abundance with no end. Because as we read God's word, and as he speaks to us in it, as, as he tells us of himself, as he tells us what he's done for us, his people, as he tells us what he's going to do for us, his people, our souls are being watered by torrents of blessing. The word equals blessing. 
And unlike my scraggly little tree, did you see this tree is one of fruitfulness? It's one where the leaf does not wither. It's a tree that prospers, we read, verse 3. And as we come to this new year, and as we have that desire to be a better version of ourselves, isn't, isn't this what we're after? You know, whether it is to be healthier, whether it is to be more skillful at something or become more loving, whatever our New Year's resolutions might be, at the heart of it, surely we want to be fruitful and flourishing like we can be or should be. Now, the psalmist here doesn't promise physical health or material prosperity. In fact, elsewhere, the Bible promises exactly the opposite, at least in this life. Now, the psalmist promises something much deeper. Watering of the word results in a a deep flourishing of our core. It It means flourishing as the people we were created to be. It means becoming more like Jesus, surely, doesn't it? Because let's face it, who is the only person who ever really fulfilled verse 1 and 2? It's Jesus, isn't it? Jesus is the only person who truly did not walk in step with the wicked, who truly was without sin, who truly did delight in the word and does delight in the word still. Jesus is the only one worthy enough to be called blessed. I mean, that's the fundamental heart of the Bible, isn't it? That gospel message that none of us, Christian or otherwise, can match up. We're all sinners. But Jesus has matched up. And actually, that gospel message in the Bible that Jesus holds out his hands to us, offering to trade places. Actually, by dying on the cross, Jesus, well, Jesus was cursed so that we could be blessed so that we could become that blessed person. You know, hear me clearly. God is not sat in heaven waiting for us to become good enough Christians before he will unleash his blessings upon us. I mean, the tree in this psalm does not get blessed with the stream because it is a particularly special tree. Now, read the description of that tree in verse 3. That person is like... A tree. That's all we get. It's just a tree. And in fact, it's a pretty helpless tree as well. The tree did not plant itself by the stream. Presumably, somebody planted it there. And God has planted us. Planted us next to the flowing stream of his word. If English is your first language, you live in a country with the Bible in your own language, in, in book form, audio form, electronic form, whatever form you like. 
And remarkably, there are still no legal barriers to reading it. Actually, to you, sat here this morning, God has been so gracious to you. God has planted you by the flowing waters of his word. You know, flourishing is not a reward here, it's a result. A result of God's grace. We don't read the Bible because we have to. We read the Bible because we get to. We don't read the Bible because we have to, but because we get to. Let's make sure we hear that. Because the word equals blessing. The word equals blessing. It's an astounding truth. However, I said that that was the first way. And if this is true for the first way, then what about the second way? So if we had the first way is the way of the righteous, well, the second way we read is the way of the wicked. And if the way of the righteous is defined by being the way of the word, well, then the way of the wicked is defined by being the way without the word. The way of the wicked is the way without the word. And the consequence is no word equals destruction. No word equals destruction. Now, notice throughout this psalm, the way of the wicked actually gets mentioned plenty of times in one form or another. But we don't actually ever get told what it entails. Verse 1, we kind of have hints. So we have the language of walking with the wicked, uh, standing with sinners, sitting with mockers. But no kind of actual specifics here. No, for the psalmist, the focus here is on what's not said. So the way of the wicked does not delight in God's word, does not meditate on God's word. Instead of, you know, walking with the Spirit as he speaks us through the words, now in verse 1, the second way walks with the wicked. Instead of standing firm in the faith revealed to us in the word, now the second way stands with sinners. Instead of sitting under the instruction and wisdom of the word, now the second way sits in the company of mockers. Read verse 1. And there's no grey area here. It's either the first way or the second way. I wonder which way you think you're currently on. The choice presented to us here isn't change or stay the same. It's not stick or twist. Change is inevitable. The question is, which way do you want to change? And actually, there's a big comparison going on in this psalm. I wonder if you notice that. So in the first way, the, the blessed person, remember, is like a tree planted by streams of water. But then verse 4, look at verse 4, we get the comparison. Not so the wicked. 
They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Now, chaff is the the dry outer casings of grain that is simply discarded or burnt. It has no purpose, it has no use, no nutritional value. It is dry, lifeless, and dead. And this is life without God's word. Without the the rich, life-giving waters of the word, we won't last. Just as a tree can't survive without water, we can't survive without the word. No word equals destruction. The comparison continues. So remember, the blessed person is like a tree that yields its fruit in season. And yet, verse 5, the comparison continues. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. In the first way, the blessed person is like a tree whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And yet, in verse 6, the way of the wicked... Well, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The Bible tells us that there will be a day when God will come to judge the world. And we won't match up. In the word, Jesus holds out the hand of salvation as an offer to us But if we reject that, we're helpless. No word equals destruction. I'm sure you must have seen on the news the Australian bushfires at the moment. I'm told over 4 million hectares has been burnt in New South Wales. There are smoke plumes over eight miles high, such as the scale of the fires that they can smell burning in New Zealand. Heat so extreme that gas bottles explode and fires 70 metres high. And trying to live without the word in this world is like a firefighter in those flames with no equipment, no, no fire engines, no planes, no helicopters, and no water. Just helpless and hopeless. The psalmist isn't just suggesting a nice idea for us. It's life and death. It is that stark. You know, if you're here today and actually you know that you're not a Christian... I can't force you to make any decision, but please do see that you do have a choice to make. Do you go Jesus' way, the first way, the way of the righteous? Jesus offers you his free gift of blessing. Jesus holds out his hand, and the one who never sinned offers to take the judgment we deserve.
And he took the destruction we were destined for on the cross so that you could prosper. Or do you go the second way? The way of the wicked. Psalm 1 says that the second way will perish. No word equals destruction. If you are a Christian here this morning, you might be feeling a a couple of different things. Maybe guilt, maybe doubt. Guilt because we know when challenged we don't match up, we don't read our Bibles enough, we don't live our lives how we should. Maybe also doubt because the Bible can feel daunting uh, and just living it to the standards we know we should do can feel like a challenge too far. Well, this is why this psalm is such good news for us. It is true that the Bible is God's word. And it's true that God's word is a flowing stream for our soul. And God has lovingly planted us beside his word. The word equals blessing. And how God has blessed us already Now, in one sense, the practical outworkings of this are pretty simple, surely, aren't they? If the word equals blessing, then we need more of the word. However, if I left us there, that probably wouldn't be the most helpful. So here's perhaps just two ways to uh, help us to bring in more of the word into our lives. Here you go, two ways. First of all, start small. Second of all, get help. Start small, get help. So first of all, start small. The more we feed on the word, the, uh, the more it will change us. The more we will delight in it. And the more we will be blessed on the way of the righteous. And a great way to do this is just to read a little bit of the Bible each day, each morning as you start your day. But if you, if you start tomorrow and decide to sit down and read the Bible for two hours and cover all the Psalms, you're not going to do it. Your, your heart and your mind aren't used to it, and you'll get discouraged, and you'll never keep it reading the Bible. So starting small is key here. If you've never really read the Bible much on your own, then uh, a great way is just to start tomorrow morning with the passage we've looked at in church together. Here's what we do. At some point before you start work or before starting out the kids, just read through Psalm 1 again slowly. And if nothing particularly strikes, you just read through it again. And when something does strike, you just stop there and pray about that one thing. You know, it could be the fact that there's only two ways to go. And maybe you might pray that God would help you to go the first way. And then Tuesday, you do the same thing, read through Psalm 1. And when something different strikes you, you pray about that. And as you start to spend that little time in the Word, it will change you and you can continue to keep building and letting it water you more and more. But also, get help. Get help. Now, for many years, I've loved Bible reading notes um, to help me read, think, and pray through the Bible on my own. 
Um, there are a number of different examples at the back of the church on the, the table at the back, so please do browse them. Particularly, um, if you're thinking about Psalms, we're looking at Psalm 1. There's a book about going through the Psalms in the year, so that might be a great thing off the back of this. I'll let you browse them in your own time. Um, but don't just get help on your own. This is really key. Don't get help on your own. Let's get help together. Because actually, this is why we meet together on a Sunday. This is why we meet together on a Wednesday. If you never spend time reading the Bible with other people, you'll never keep reading it on your own. It is as simple as that, and the truth is we get to meet together. We're doing it now. We're studying and learning from the Bible together, and this is the best help out there. So the word equals blessing. No word equals destruction. So start small and get help. I'll leave us with them for this morning. Why don't I pray? Father God, we know, uh, even as we look at your word this morning, even as I preach uh, about your word this morning, that we fall short and we can never match up to the standards that um, we know we were created to. But Father, we thank you that Jesus has, and we thank you for the amazing truth that he offers us the blessing he deserves and we do not. Father, we pray that you would help us all to know that great motivation and we would delight in your word and we would love to meditate on it day and night this year in 2020, we pray. Amen.